0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. I'm Rod Murray, and in our quickest ever turnaround of episodes, we're back just a couple of days after chatting with Dan Washburn about his excellent book on golf in China called Golf, the Forbidden Game. What we didn't get to talk about on that episode was some really quite significant stories in the world of golf, not the least of them being the fallout from the Ryder Cup and Tom Watson's captaincy, and the kind of interrelated sacking of Ted Bishop as PGA president with just a month to run on his turn. We'll cover that, plus some general chit-chat about the game as well. When I say we, let me introduce my co-host, as always, blogger, critic, architect, author, Jeff Shackelford, from the US Shack. We've missed plenty. The natives are restless. We better, better tick off some of the news that's happened in the last month since we did a proper podcast.
1: Yeah, it would have been rude. With uh, Dan Washburn the other day, who was uh, quite eloquent and interesting to uh, to to bring the level of the conversation down to where we're about to go, <laughs> exactly while he has written this wonderfully thoughtful, interesting uh, book about a very important topic in our sport.
0: Yeah, indeed, a bit, bit like Judy Rankin, he really lifted the tone of the whole. Yeah.
1: Place, didn't I? <laughs> little, it was nice. A yes. little I could, I've already heard from many people about wow, what a what a what a classy yeah, show. It I,
0: was terrific, uh, terrific. Yeah, and the surprise in their voice is obvious when they say-
1: yeah. Of course.
0: <laughs> in Sydney today, playing the Australian senior, P- senior PGA Championship, I suspect a little happier than if we'd spoken to him 24 hours ago, Mike Clayton. Clayton, you didn't have the most fun start to the tournament yesterday, you were telling me, but a bit better today.
2: Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I got in the first hole, pitched it to three feet, yipped it, and then walked around to tap it in with my putter about four inches behind the ball, and the ball moved. You know, <laughs> it's just the most insane rule in golf. So, I made, so I... I kind of replaced it, but I don't know, I didn't have an area to replace it too. I just knew it kind of looked like it moved. So I put a coin behind it and just kind of, I don't know what I did with it. But anyway, that was a six. That was five over after seven. At least I've got back to... Three overs, I'm doing all right. In
0: that case, that was a very good round of golf then he did. Yeah, that's that's great. And he hit it four times, right down six. You've got to love that. Um, Just before I was at the Asia-Pacific Amateur, we'll talk about it a bit later, and there was some golfers there who have not seen the likes of Royal and Clayton's the seventh, the uphill par three they played as the seventh there last week. He hit it in the front bunker. I think he was a young chap from...
2: I made 15. Yeah.
0: He made 15, but the truly oh. horrible thing was he only hit it 13 times. There were two strokes for having having his caddy oh. line him up. In the I was,
2: I his caddy was on
0: the line. So. That's right. Yeah, well. So I know you had a bad afternoon, but that is really cruel, isn't it? I mean, it's not bad enough to take 13, but the referee taps you on the shoulder before you hit off the next and says, by the way, add two. Uh, that was quite an event. We'll talk about that later. But before we talk about that, Shaq, I've been a bit busy with that and around the place. One of the reasons we haven't had a podcast. And of course, while I've been doing that, uh, the world's fallen apart for the U.S. Yeah. PGA. Ted Bishop, we had him on the show. I mean, didn't always agree with what he said, but he was certainly very outspoken, not popular with a lot of people, very popular with other people, but he is gone. Can you give us a little bit of a run through the timelines? It sort of all happened quite quickly, didn't it? A bizarre set of circumstances.
1: Uh, well, actually, I think I can make it pretty pretty simple. Um, Tom Watson turned out to be um, a, a even less uh, in touch with today's players. And uh, and apparently a little rude and a little strange and uh, not a big surprise there as we've talked about players revolted uh, and let him uh, let him have it publicly in a very uh, strange way. Uh, then uh, Ted sat on it didn't um, uh, handle it very well got a little angry and um, got into a Twitter spat with uh, Ian Poulter and uh, from the uh, I think the front of the Greenbrier Hotel. Uh, tweeted and Facebooked uh, messages that were uh, uh, not appropriate for a man of his stature. and then uh, and then the world completely lost its mind and decided to uh, make him the uh, poster boy for uh, sexism and golf, which sadly is now not going to be talked about because uh, most of the world is outraged that a guy with 29 days to go in his term was uh, sullied and his reputation ruined over something that was really actually not sexist, uh, just stupid, and uh, and somebody who has a, a wonderful track record with his family and in the game of uh, of uh, being great uh, in terms of promoting the sport for women. So uh, that's the nutshell version.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but of course, and there are quite a few threads within that, aren't there? Yes,
1: yes, so many, many threads. Yeah. I
0: saw you link to a New York Times piece, which was – quite bizarre in the level of sexism it claimed existed in golf and how – I think Bishop called Potter a little girl. Did he not? Crying like a little girl or something along those lines? Uh,
1: Actually, he didn't. Um, He didn't actually use – the the phrase that has become toxic is like a girl. There's a, a YouTube video with 49 million views. And it is essentially the N word uh, now to a, a, a significant number of people, and and I certainly understand why people take offense to it. Um, I didn't realize the level uh, at which people uh, have taken offense to it, and it's a little hard for some of us here in the United States to deal with, because at the moment we have this amazing young woman uh, who pitched in the Little League World Series in baseball. She throws at 70 miles an hour. Her name's Monet Davis. And she, there's an ad running on television every time you turned on the uh, sporting event, uh, where she mentions throwing like a girl, and it's obviously an ironic uh, sort of jab, almost at the at the phrase. But so it's become this strange thing that this phrase is toxic, and he used sort of a variation of it, and the same general concept that. Uh, uh, as that phrase and so yeah that's where a lot of this uh is coming from in the new york times piece uh, the writer actually tweeted to those who who questioned her karen krauss to watch that video and that video explained it all and i don't quite agree but
0: and that video that so that's something separate from bishop it's just he's happened to stumble across the wrong very the
1: ba- yeah it's it's some right. it's one of those things it's kind of a movement at the moment i mean 49 million views is just yeah, staggering and and so, yeah, it's 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 that his timing was poor on a number of mm. levels. The PGA just had a uh, diversity summit, um, you know, go on and on. But uh, this was another element in that. Mm.
0: The reality of Ted Bishop has been, though, is it not that he's he's actually quite a progressive type in that way,
1: well, inclusive that's a, of women, yeah. and that sort of thing. No, exactly. I mean, the PGA of America, as many people have noted. Um, is is not a progressive organization uh, historically and and he was a change agent and uh, he was somebody who came along and stirred things up and they're uh, in partnership with kpmg and 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 uh, they now have the, the women's pga championship starting next year which um, uh, they're taking over and uh, so yeah he's he's just done all sorts of things maybe too many things you could even argue that There are almost too many grow the game initiatives, too many task force, too many things to try and search for answers. But gosh, uh, uh, by no means is he somebody who was a classic PGA president who you really don't know exactly what he stands for.
0: And this is the source of much of the criticism, isn't it, Shaq, that he was so public and so often in the news and so on the front foot for a lot of people who are used to golf being a more staid backseat side of the game. People found that a bit confronting about him.
1: Clearly, yes, and that—that's really, I think, ultimately what this came down to was he gave them an opening. The people who were tired of him after two years to uh, to, to kind of bring him down one last time, and and uh, yeah, I'm sure he was on some sort of uh, spoken or unspoken probation, and and violated that, uh, and, and that's. Uh, but still, it's not it's not grounds to uh, pretend that his two years was was poor. Or that uh, you you ruin somebody's reputation over that. It's just it just what he did just was not uh, on the level of, of, of trying to ruin a uh, a legacy and a life. Mm.
0: And, and just to clarify, will his name and record be removed from the PGA? There was some suggestion that that's what would happen initially. Is that is that actually the case or not?
1: Well, the way I put it is, it, it uh, y- no, he will continue to have his name on whatever a list in the PGA program or, or uh, at on a plaque at PGA headquarters. Uh, but it's essentially he got life without parole instead of the death penalty. It's it's he won't be welcome at events. Um, he can attend events with his PGA card, but he is he is not welcome as a dignitary of the PGA of America ever again.
0: Right, so no more Ryder Cups and uh, PJs and those sorts of of things. I suppose there's a bunch of stuff within this shack, one of them being uh, Twitter and how careful you have to be. It's caught others in the past, hasn't it, including Poulter himself.
1: Oh, I wrote an item this week. Poulter uh, has used (laughs) a a litany of offensive phrases that, yeah, maybe they're not offensive to certain cultures, but – uh, so when you read his quote that he's shocked and disappointed at this uh, and you see you you I'm sure you uh, have heard of I know you're not a big Twitter person but uh, um, I don't even know if you follow him but he he, he gets into spats all the time with people that uh, uh, and he brags about them, uh, blocking them and uh, I mean Lee Westwood had his share and it's uh, so yeah it's it's, it's a an, Sad irony in all this that the uh, the person that Ted got it, into it with is, is uh, one of the most entertaining and also uh, uh, sometimes outlandish and sometimes uh, uh, rude and, and even sexist people. Uh, um, Ian Poulter I think the, I think
0: the last <laughs> the last tweet I saw from Poulter not long before I sort of as you say sort of dropped out of the Twitter thing was he, he was complaining that he'd purchased 21 televisions for his new house and one of them wasn't working properly and didn't answer <sighs> call immediately to come and fix it and you yeah. see the, uh, the irony of that Clayton you tweet no. how careful are you? Me? Oh yeah.
2: yeah well yeah you've got to be careful of course I mean you know, you'd say things that would especially when golf course design you're going to say things that upset members unknowingly or just by mentioning some courses they don't like, you know, you're talking about them, but, you know, I mean, clearly it's a, if you're going to send something remotely controversial, you'd better think about it for a second before you press the button. Particularly if you're the president of the PGA, I
0: guess, Clayton, which is, I suppose, one of the But One of the things we like about Twitter is we say that we get unfiltered interaction with our heroes and stars, but that can be dangerous <laughs> stuff, can't it? Maybe filtering's not a bad idea sometimes.
2: And the problem is our generation. I mean, Bishop's, what, 60 years, but not that much older than me. I mean, we we grew up with that phase, phrase. Mm. You know, you play football and, you you know, I mean, everyone used that phrase as a, and it was, it was, you know, we've moved on, fortunately, but it was a, you know, we all played football and some bloke screwed up. It was, you know, you, you know that was what it was. So I guess he needs to, well, I guess he now knows that's not something you say anymore.
0: No, exactly. There's a bit of a sadness to it though, isn't there, Shaq? I mean, it, it's a huge reaction for, as we've sort of said, is is not as big an offense as perhaps but it seems to be the way, doesn't it, in the 24-hour news cycle that the story needs to keep being fed and so the controversy gets perhaps bigger than it otherwise would have been.
1: Yeah, this is a very American thing uh, that that uh, I I followed something on my blog recently where there was a kid who ran out on a football field at Ohio State and yeah he's a fourth year in a five year mechanical engineering program and he was part of the Evans Scholars program and i i just kept putting it up there because i kept hoping gosh i hope we don't do our usual thing and make this person out to be a uh, a serial killer <laughs> for one dumb moment in life and thankfully the people involved there didn't get carried away but in this case uh, it did snowball pretty quickly but mostly you know that there was the media coverage uh, but uh, mostly the the board of directors of the PGA, I think, in searching to, they uh, they they're always are sort of desperate to to let you know they're there and and uh, that they're relevant. And I think they just tried way too hard to to show that. Plus, they had these personal feelings for the man, mm-hmm. and so there were there were a lot of dynamics. And and uh, that's where I I'm a little disappointed in the uh, PGA CEO Pete Pavacqua, who's uh, a very sharp guy that he. And really liked Ted, and frankly, was in the job because of Ted. Uh, I think, and uh, was able to do a lot of great things because of Ted. Um, other than the uh, not getting to bring a PGA Championship to Royal Melbourne, but uh, <laughs> other than that, Yet. he's done a very nice job, and, and and will continue to do a nice job because of Ted gave him this uh, this this power, and he he wasn't able to. Uh, to save him, and I think that's uh, another uh, – to the golf power broker types, that's the one thing I've heard that he he uh, he took a little bit of a credibility hit. But people forget these golf organizations, these these people are reporting to – I mean, they have a 21-member board. Can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, <sighs> isn't it? Uh,
0: but it does beg the question, though, Shaq. It's probably impossible to answer. But have has there been more damage done by the way the PGA handled it than had they – let bishop come out and apologize etc and do other things that that didn't happen.
1: I think so. I think so absolutely. And furthermore, uh the concept that that there's sexism in golf, that just got shelved. Uh, any discussion of things that go on in the game um, uh, was forgotten in all this and the whole story became about him and how he was uh he was he was given the the death penalty yeah. for for shoplifting. Yeah.
0: It was, uh, well, it was a whole pretty sad episode, really. And, of course, he hasn't been back within coming forward. He went on Golf Channel, uh, I think, the next day. He refused to resign, Shaq, which I think probably surprised most on the board. Well, he wanted
1: he wanted his day in court. I didn't think that was uh, – his explanation of that was uh, that unusual. I, I can't imagine why you would think that um, – I mean, he was given the option to, to resign or uh, be removed, and neither – would have changed his status going forward. So I, I, he figured, I'll, "I'll let me give him a speech and maybe I'll convince him. And I think that's what anybody uh, who's passionate about uh, the cause, as he was, uh, would have done. Mm. And, of course, the, the whole other issue there
0: that you sort of touched on, and Clayton, I want to get your thoughts on this. You, of course, caddied for Minji Lee at the first major of the year and you have a few Su-o. other times. <laughs> Suo, sorry, not Minji Lee, Suo. Um, what's your well, take uh, on that? That whole sexism in golf. You've been around the game a long time, and I'm guessing it probably was more overt in past years. What's your take on the state of sexism in golf now, perhaps more generally?
2: Well, Shaq, it was interesting that HSBC came out with that ad. I've forgotten what the, how they headlined it. What was the headline they put game for uh, everyone yesterday? Yeah, it's uh, That's what he says, scrolling down to find...
1: As <laughs> he scrolls, as he scrolls. Ah, oh, jeez, did I scroll by it? I did. It's, ah. Uh... Ah, oh, and then the browser freezes up.
2: I'll get it here momentarily. But, but you, I mean, no. this, apparently. There it is. It's anyone's game. It's anyone's <laughs> game. And and it was HSBC who apparently were the ones who put the pressure on the r oh, yeah. So, I mean, they could never have bought that ad out three months ago because people would have laughed at them. They would have said, well, the, you know, the the." the, the the what are they called? Well, the R were a complete joke. I mean, how can you not have yeah. women as part of it, part of an organisation, an organisation like that? And I mean, for me, I mean, I'm staggered at male-only golf clubs. I know they're more popular in America than in Australia, but well, well, there isn't one in Australia. But it just amazes me in this age that people want to operate without women being involved. It just staggers me. But yeah, I mean, w- w- women in Australia have gone from being called associates when I was a kid too. The ladies now at golf clubs, and Jill Spargo, my friend, who's on the board of Golf Australia, insists, and she's right, they should be called women. She says it's men and women. You know, we should be called women. They're women's teas, not ladies' tees. So when we write our master plans, I'm very careful to write women's teas, not ladies' tees. But yeah, yeah, it's that public schoolboy 1930 attitude that women have stay at home, and we'll go and do our things at the club. And fortunately, the world's moving on. But that HSBC ad could never have been run. No. whilst the R&A were doing what they were doing. And it's a great ad. It's, you know, it's about golf's a game for everybody. It's got this ridiculous image that it's an elitist game and it's played by a bunch of stuffy old men, which, of course, it is. But there are a lot of people who aren't elitist and aren't stuffy old men who play golf too and they're the ones you most want to play with, really.
0: And, of course, as a golfer, you always get this from your non-golf friends, don't you, that, you know, it's it's this... They've got they've, they've grabbed onto an image of the game that really is so old, but we can't seem to break it down. Shaq. golf still has no. this image, doesn't it? And all of these things contribute to it. It's twenty fourteen. I can't think of another organization, the Statue of the R that would be having a discussion about women members at this point in time. You know, I know. It, and uh, the,
1: the and the game can't win. Even in this Ted Bishop thing, a few people who aren't golf fans uh, that I know. Sent me the article and said, "Are you following?" Yeah, you know, they don't look at my website. And they, "Are you following this? Uh, <laughs> Have you seen this? this story, Jeff?" Yeah, and they're and and they're and I said, "Yeah," and I'd say, "Well, what do you think?" And they'd say, "Well, what a stupid thing! What is with you guys in golf and your weird little controversy?" So, so here here we're thinking that uh, the the people are battling this this cause to help the image of the game, and and again, this is a very small sample size, but people are looking at it going, "Really? That's what you guys?" uh consider to be sexism as you have clubs uh, you know the RNA where they have they have a, a, a female president at st. Andrews and they refuse to take her even though they've had every other university principal excuse me they call them principals uh, uh, as a member and you know things like that where it's just embarrassing where it's blatant and then something like this where it's it's uh, it's kind of murky at best and then when you actually learn about the guy and you learn that he has two daughters in the golf business and and I've met you know I've met dad's wife i've i've had lunch with her at the at the players and we and she's you know she's she's her own person and very much a uh, a, a wonderful uh uh um, interesting thoughtful uh, independent woman and you know i mean it's like this is the last guy on the planet even though he looks the part you know the blue blazer the yeah. white hair the age group he actually and then you, you know you start to learn about some of the junior golfers he's inspired and and uh, it's like, oh, my gosh, this, is, this was not the guy to, uh, to use as the poster child for, for getting things turned around. In fact, I would argue that that I think you'll see the reaction of PGA Golf Pros here. And you saw the reaction of, of, of uh, PGA Tour Pros. I think this is actually damaging. I think this actually makes people more... Um, uh, I hate to say it, more, more sexist, but more just uh, not open to uh, the dialogue. Because it's like, really? This is the kind of thing that yeah. uh, that, that upsets you?
0: Yeah. Can't, I can't say – you feel like you can't say anything, so you don't. And therefore, yeah. there is no that's, discussion.
1: That's a shame.
0: Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, as you say, the, of all the people to end up bearing that cross – Although I think the two daughters in the golf industry might save him, Shaq, sort of in the longer term. Uh, And they've both been spoken very publicly, which has been terrific. Is it in what, why is this all sort of important for the, for, for golf, Jeff? Um, (coughs) Pardon me. This whole controversy and all of these issues and the president of the PJ, it's a pretty important position, isn't it? I mean, for the game itself.
1: No, no, no. And that's where I, I, I also struggle. He's a volunteer. Um, he is not, you know. That's one of the things I argued with a few people. He is not a paid five hundred thousand dollar a year CEO uh, who 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 deals with personnel issues and 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 is, spends time in HR talking about uh, uh, gender discrimination issues. He's a volunteer. It's a it's a position where you go around, and in his case, people have elevated the job's importance because. He actually did use the job to influence things. So, but that's another thing. I just it's 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 the president of the PGA of America. I'm sorry, but it's just not the uh, the president of the United States or even the executive director of the USGA. It's it's a, it's a volunteer, virtually an honorary position, really.
0: Interesting stuff. We'll leave that for the moment. Of course, much of this goes back, and much of the angst goes back to Bishop. Well, it was laid at his feet. It was his decision to name Tom Watson Watson as the Ryder Cup captain, and we've seen the fallout from that. Clay, let's cast our mind back about a month. It seems forever ago, the Ryder Cup. I wanted to get your take on what happened in sort of the hour after the Ryder Cup finished when Mickelson, Phil Mickelson just publicly carved up Tom Watson at the press conference in the same room with all the team right there. What was your take? That, that looked like a bizarre thing That happened there to me where he just filleted Watson in front of the world press. It was,
2: you hear both sides. It was, I mean, some people say that if he hadn't have done that, it never would have come out and it would have been brushed under the carpet. You know, he takes, he takes aim at a guy who's a legend in the game and rips him, but in fairness, he probably didn't do a very good job. And I get, I mean, I know Huggy walked around with Roy McIlroy the day after, I think it was the day after, at Carnoustie playing a practice round for the downhill Lynx, maybe the week after. And Rory said, well, you know, there was a lot of stuff on, that went on behind the scenes with the American team that probably won't ever come out. But clearly it was an unhappy camp and, you know, Mickelson was obviously annoyed at not playing at all the second day and he had a, had a rip, which was... So, the, you know, the question is whether, for, for the Americans, whether it does any good, whether it changes anything. But the one thing I haven't heard... Is that anyone say, well, perhaps the Europeans are just better players? I mean, you can keep looking at why the Americans keep losing. Perhaps it's because the Europeans are better. You, you know, you can have all the pods and all the different captains and all the inquiries you like. But Hank Haney was down with Jeremy, your manager, Shaq uh, Kingsney, day, and I asked him on the 15th green who was going to win the Ryder Cup. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He said, What do you mean he's going to win the Ryder Cup? <laughs> the Europeans are going to win easy. So the yeah. Europeans are easy. They've got the five best players in the world. And he was exactly right. So you could have anyone capping in that US team. And they, you know, I think the Europeans would have won. Yeah. Having said that, Watson was a bad decision to leave. Was it Spieth and um, Patrick Reed out the first afternoon? Not to pay Mickelson the second day was a mistake, probably. And, yeah. But the Europeans had a great team at home who played great golf. On an American golf course, that's a gross myth of the Ryder Cup is that, I mean, they play every year, whether it's in Britain or America. On a course that's, in theory, suits so the Americans when they've got the Belfry, the K Club, Celtic Manor, Glen Eagles. I mean, they're not courses that favour European golfers, except that European golfers now play in America and play around the world. So, kind of debunks that theory. But it's hardly like they're going to the old course or Muirfield or Troon or. And that, or Dornock or North Berwick and playing courses that suit the European players. Oh, how good would it be if they did, Clates?
0: You've got me thinking about that now. It would be wonderful. It's such a finicky format as well, though, isn't it, Clates? Just match play itself by its nature. And, and players of that calibre, the differences between them aren't that great, are they? Little things make significant differences. And so it's hard to sort of favour one team or the other. When you've got the team element, you've got a mixture of four ball and foursomes and There's so many elements to it that it's kind of hard to say
2: either oh, really has any favouritism, I would have thought. Well, it's 18-hole match play, but, which is, of course, notoriously unpredictable. I mean, the thing is that they used to play two lots of singles when Brian Barnes beat Nicholas in 75. There were two rounds of singles, beat him twice in the same day. And they did all they can to equalize the Ryder Cup when the teams were incredibly unequal. They didn't play four players per series, and they, played, they got rid of the 36 holes of singles. Now the competition's equal. They really should go and do what the President's Cup do and play every player in the, in, in the four balls and foursomes. And you know go back and have 36 holes of singles it would be great it was a much better format mm. but it was manipulated to try and make the thing more even in the 70s when it was clearly a absolute mismatch mm. but but you know the, the the antidote to that is that well it works you know don't mess with something that works and it, it brings up great golf every time so why fiddle with it but it's crazy having guys sit out why why are Eight of the best players in the world sitting out for half the
0: thing. It's ridiculous. We don't often get them at the same venue. Well, we don't often enough get them at the same venue as it is. It seems crazy, you're right, to have some of them uh, sitting down. And the Ryder Cup, of course, Shack really is important to golf, isn't it? Uh, even outside of Europe and the US, it creates enormous interest in the game. And it's an, actually the most exciting golf every two years that we see generally, isn't it?
1: Uh, well, yeah, it's the most emotional Um I don't know. The quality of the play can can be a little ragged, but was, usually the emotions make up for whatever. Uh, whenever it gets a little ragged, yeah. um, it's pretty ordinary. This wasn't it?
0: There was some some very ordinary golf this year. I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I don't know. Uh, it looked like the setup of the golf course was pretty uh, pretty restrictive, and we know what happens when you put even the best players on one of those courses over a few days. They just start to they just don't. Have that uh, that ability or that that feeling of being aggressive enough, or that they can be, and they get defensive, and then you start to see some some less pretty golf. But uh, uh, no, the the, some of the matches though were excellent, and uh, and and the uh, Spieth and Reed just came through unbelievably for America. That was just amazing, and and Reed was getting some horrible things said to him, and he fought back in a way that was a little tacky to some, but. I think when you hear some of the things that uh, we we heard, courtesy of little vines and tweets and things on um, social media, <laughs> that uh, he had the right to be a little bit fired up. Uh, actually, um, really he,
0: was the most enjoyable thing about it. I thought was that he stood yeah. up and gave it back as Poulter did in '08. Uh, yeah, was
1: it, was yeah, you know, I did, think that's fun. Yeah, I enjoy absolutely. that. Yeah, I, I do too. I thought that was a uh, that. But but to Clay's point, this team was a total uh, underdog team, and they, the score was about what you'd expect. So yeah. imagine if they the vibe had been a little bit better in the team room. The the match might have even been um, a lot closer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard multiple stories of things that went on that won't ever come out. Um, So it was not a good atmosphere. And I think uh, the thing that was forgotten uh, was that he wasn't just criticizing Tom Watson. He was criticizing uh, the other captains of late, in a way, uh, Davis Love and, and, uh, let's see, Corey Pavin. Corey. Those are the two since Paul Azinger. And, you uh, Yeah, there's just a lot to be said for somebody creating atmosphere that makes it a fun week. And, and people don't understand, and I, I've said it on a few things, but they're working for free that week. Everybody else is making money off them. And I know they make a lot of money, and Ian Poulter and people like that make money because of their Ryder Cup appearance and the way they act and the way they perform. But still... You know, if you're a captain you got to make it a it's a high pressure week and uh, these are guys used to playing for themselves and for money and so you got to make it fun that's what couples does he makes it fun and well, and well, well. figured out a way to to make them buy in
2: yeah of course the Sorry, which begs the question: Why isn't Freddie the captain? I mean, he's done, he does a great job of the president. Wow, they've had these stupid. You, you have to win a, a major. Sure. You
1: can't be. Yeah, it used to be. You had to win a PGA, and then you had to be a major, and then you had to uh, be, you know, a good boy to the PGA of America, and then you couldn't be a Presidents Cup captain. Well, they're, I think they're going to throw all that out the window, and I suspect he'll he'll get the job.
0: Would he want it? I wonder. All bit
1: intense, oh, yeah, he'd admit. love yeah, to do he it. Would. He'd love to do it, yeah. He'd certainly be good, I would think.
0: Because, again, he'd be popular on both sides as well, I and mean, he's popular all over the world, Couples, isn't he? What would you what was your take on the stories about Watson's captaincy, shake? Because essentially it sounded like he just kind of said, well, look, you guys are supposed to be really good. Go out and play well. And his, his, his demeanour afterwards was, well, you know, I'm just the captain. They didn't play well enough. What was your take on that? It just seems a bit old school, but is he fair enough to have that kind of take on things, Watson?
1: Yeah, but he threw in a few comments uh, that you you just don't you don't throw them under the bus kind of the way he did. Even if they're subtle like that, they hear that and and then you can and then you hear the little stories and some of them were reported of the things he'll he he said to them behind the scenes. You're know, like, really? That's <laughs> uh, after all the two years of talking to other. Uh, yeah, he talked to great coaches and viewed himself as a leader. These were not traits of. Of leadership or cheerleading or anything, hmm. and I think that's why uh, the the players just didn't uh, they didn't react well. Yeah, you, what was it? understandably, you stink at Folsom's? Was that the the opening line in one yeah, of Yeah, and, and and that would be funny if he just did that to come in and and to lighten the mood, but yeah. he doesn't have that gear. <laughs> no, he, no. And even if he might have even been trying, he just doesn't have that ability to to. Sit yeah, indeed. Of course. Walking in going, jeez, you guys stink at yeah, foursomes. Right. <laughs> All right, what do we got for who's playing who in yeah. ping pong tonight? Let's go. You know, that, that's how he probably operates, and it's probably a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, has Mickelson put the pressure on himself for when his captaincy or clearly will eventually come around at some point? Oh, yeah. He's put himself under the pump, hasn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's a... Uh, he definitely is, uh, and by then, you know, I mean, he's already a different cat. So I think it's uh, it's going to be uh, 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 very interesting to see what happens when he gets to that age, and if how relatable he is to the younger players. And um, but he'll be at Beth Page probably, and the crowds will be ridiculously loud and. Um that'll, that'll definitely help the cause, and he'll be very popular there. And,
0: and, of course, he has spent the last few years really taking young players under his wing, hasn't he, and preparing them for Ryder Cup in practice matches at tournaments week in and week out. He, he thinks about the Ryder Cup between Ryder Cups, not just on the week when it rolls around, which I suspect is probably the case for some.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: In that role. Uh, all interesting stuff. And of course, most of it's been said. There's no point in us going over it. But I just wanted to get some thoughts from the two of you about that. What did come to light during the week, Clates, uh, down here in Australia, the Asia-Pacific amateur last week at Royal Parliament. I was there. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about to do with that and get your thoughts on. But one of the more interesting was that Billy Payne sat down with Brett Ogle, a local TV show host down here, he runs a, has a golf show on one of the pay TV channels. And um, sort of answered the question of, you know, the people hitting the ball so far. Athleticism of the players, that was Billy Payne's take. I don't think you're going to agree with him, but I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought when you heard him say that on, on Fox TV last week.
2: I didn't hear him say it. I just saw it on Twitter. I mean, you can't... It's beyond belief that people could think that Roy McElroy hits a ball 50 yards past Jack Nicklaus because he's fitter or Sam Sneed or Seve Ballesteros or Tom Weisskopf. Or, I mean, it's just beyond belief. And either way... I don't care about how far the ball goes. I don't care how far they make the ball goes in that sense. I care about – you have to care – if you care about the golf courses and how the golf courses play, you have to care about how far the ball goes. I don't care if they're fit. I don't care if Superman comes out and, and there will be kids in 50, 40, 20 years who will be built like Michael Jordan and drive the ball 380 yards like Dean Beeman said you know, 20 years ago. What about the golf course? Who defends the golf courses? I mean, Billy I mean, Billy's got all the money in the world and they can stretch out August National as far as they want. They can change they shut the course every year. They can do whatever they want. No one ever knows when they move the tees because that they recreate the crown in front. But what about Royal Melbourne? And what about every great little course in Britain and that's just utterly irrelevant now for good players? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just I mean it's a joke. I mean, I don't care if they're fit up, but the ball goes too far. The courses don't play the way they're supposed to play. So whilst you were in, at, at Royal Melbourne, I was at Lake Carina at the Perth International where Paul Bjorn Olesen won. He was fantastic. I watched him play three days because he played with Ogilvy the first two days and with, with Dubuisson, it was also great. But, you know, I watched Peter O'Malley play the third day and you see the golf course how it's supposed to play. You know, the bunkers are in play. You hit four and five irons to the par fours and, you know, the long ones. And it, it's actually fun to watch. It, who, who wants to watch guys hit wedges into holes? I don't, No one's been watching a guy to wedge into a hole. It's not that impressive, is it, really, <laughs> to hit a wedge close to not the hole? It's so much more interesting watching these guys hit four because they're really good at it. Yeah. I don't want to watch a guy pitch a wedge from – I mean, Todd Sennett was a classic. senator on the second day at Royal Melbourne, He tweeted out, Todd Sennett just holed 141 – meter gap wedge for a two on the first at Royal Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Boy, these guys are powerful. I could tweet tweeted back, boy, <laughs> the ball goes too, too far. <laughs> yeah. does, does anyone see the irony in some guy hitting a, holding a gap wedge from 140? I mean, I, Todd's a member at Metro. I play with him a lot, and he hits the ball, you know, off the charts long for, for a good play. You know, he's not one of these crazy long drivers who can't play golf. He plays well. Mm. He hits the ball so far, it's a joke. Oh. I mean, it's just... Ridic- I mean, we played the fourth at Metro the other day. I gave him my 958 McGregor wooden three wooden. He flew it 275 yards into the middle of the green. So, you now know that would
0: have been a joy to watch.
2: Well, mind you, the f- that was the second one. The first one it was a skanky low heel, short and right. Mm-hmm. So, you know they couldn't play the way they play if they use wooden clubs. You couldn't swing the way they swing now.
0: That's my go to shot, the skanky low
2: heel. Yeah. But you know, I kind of watch that, you know, you build golf courses and you watch these old, great old courses. And mm. like, who's, who's speaking up for Alistair McKenzie and Donald Ross? I mean, Billy Payne, seriously? You think these guys are fitter? Yeah. Oh, I, I was standing behind Sennett when he holed
0: that shot. And okay. He watching. He hit a three iron off that tee. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: is, I, I played with Tom Watson in that Australian Open. He won in 1984. First two days, he got in the first hole. No one thought about hitting a three wood off that tee. Bob Shearer, Tom Watson, and I stood there and when I won't say I hammered one down the middle, but Watson just stood there and hammered a driver down the middle of the fairway. No one ever thought of hitting an iron. I mean, last year at the Masters, I mean, Ogilvy hit two iron every day. I mean, it's a two iron hole. You know, it's 400 and, what is it, 300 and, 390 metres, 430 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's a two iron, oh, almost. I mean, Al yeah. Mackenzie, he would just yeah. go ballistic at these boats. I mean, Billy Payne would... He'd be with Ted Bishop out on the, you know, the boondock. Yeah. Expelled, mate. Don't come back.
0: Senate S- 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 went back from a two-iron to a three-iron because he <laughs> yeah. thought the two-iron was going to go too far. In so
2: tying uh, that back into what Bishop got slaughtered for, hmm. how, how did Billy Payne, how does he get away with saying what he said last week? I mean, I mean that's way more offensive to me than what Ted Bishop said. Well, it was interesting what was on
0: showclates, so I know you've been to the Masters and you have as well, Shaq. I haven't been to the Masters, but if it's anything like the show they put on at Royal Melbourne – it's a very smooth operation, isn't it, Shaq? You you don't feel inclined to disagree or <laughs> or get involved in topical debates about the state of the game with the Green Jackets. They're extremely um, charming people.
1: Yeah, well, and then the Green Jacket itself carries it's uh, a certain weight. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're gentlemen and and. Uh... Uh, they're gentlemanly conversations they're they're very cordial and uh that's about the extent of it and uh and I'm fine with that i uh but it is it is ironic in that they do such a beautiful job and a meticulous job uh running events and yet yeah. and and i know i mean you 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 can tell i could tell by the 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 discussions that i that i do have or the comments i do make and the reaction i get to them that that they know it's sad what they have to do to make their golf course remain relevant. And, um, and, and it, it, I know it does bother them. That, that was the one thing I wasn't bothered by Billy because he's probably had Peter Dawson bending his ear, telling him all these things. Uh, and he doesn't want to be rude. What I wish he just would have said at the end was it, 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 it doesn't matter why they're hitting it longer. They just they just are, and, and uh, that's an issue. I mean, I, yeah. that's I just can't fathom. I mean, if you saw their fairways, Rod, you would be shocked. They're not what they could be. the The, the superintendent there is obviously uh, one of the most talented, if not the most, on the planet, and the director of grounds and and you go out there and the fairways are kind of long and they're and they're mowed towards the tee, and they really do slow the ball down, but they really don't. I mean, I remember when my dad and I went there in 1986, and that first impression when when I walked out and that turf was cut. Every, the entire golf course was like a putting green; it was cut so tight. And now you go out there and it's it's a little shaggy and it's weird just to think that they uh, sacrificed so much just just uh, over this this one thing.
0: of mm-hmm. all going farther. Having said that, though, and it was really interesting, Clayton – and I. Uh, I wasn't in the press conference, but I saw the footage afterwards. Billy Payne, there was no doubt he was genuine about how surprised and overwhelmed he and his fellow members of Augusta National were by Royal Melbourne, which shares a lot of the same elements, obviously, strategically with Augusta National, but looks completely different. And I was, I was interested to sort of hear his response. That You've been to both. Um, can you imagine someone who's grown up at Augusta National, the one that we've seen for the last 30 years, seeing Royal Melbourne? There must be somewhere in the back of the mind a little bit of
2: what could be, Perhaps. Well, a few things there. I mean, what did he expect to find when he went to Royal Melbourne? Why would you yeah, be surprised I by was, I was – what surprised I kept is like,
1: did, what, what was he shot? Or why was he so yeah. effusive, Rod? I mean, it was like it's Royal Melbourne.
2: Are you shocked? It's, <laughs> I mean, telling, arguably, it's telling, isn't
0: it? Mm.
2: Well, I mean, arguably it's the best course in the world. It's certainly, I think, one of the composite courses. is certainly one of the best ten and I think one of the best five. And you can make an argument it's the best course in the world. It's, it's certainly – I mean, Pine Valley might be, but you know, you go back to sexism, you know, sexism in golf. I mean, there's you know, barely, a – well, there are some women who could play in Pine Valley, but not very many. Mm-hmm. Every woman can play at Royal Melbourne. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a great course. I mean, Tom Doak had, I think, the best line about Augusta. He, he, he said, "Royal Melbourne's the course Augusta wants to be." Wow. And and maybe, maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> it's. Well, a, it's I,
1: but Rod, well, was he talking? Uh, how much of that was about the golf course, and how much was just about the hospitality and the? I'm not sure. As I said, I mean, my I wasn't my vibe was that he they just opened up one of the more amazing uh, wines in the club cellar, <laughs> and he was just in a great mood, and the the jet lag had worn off, and he'd had great food, and he and everybody is you know is such an amazing uh, host down there, and that I I I don't know I didn't sense it was about the golf course was it
0: um, I, well I, I, as I said I wasn't in the room I had just managed after three days to finally track down the kiddies from Bhutan who were playing <laughs> Royal Melbourne because I wanted to get their take as you can imagine and, and surprisingly as it turns out Royal Timpu Golf Club is not that similar to Royal Melbourne no um, including the number of holes that they have, which is only nine. So it had taken me three days, and I missed Billy Payne's press conference because I was chatting to them. They were a lovely couple of blokes. So I didn't get to see the tone and the context. But from what I saw on the the video, he seemed to be genuine. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was the hospitality. But I I had the feeling that – and I spoke to a couple of green jackets on the course and sort of said, you know, does this remind you of – and and the reaction was kind of – it's – it's different that it's
1: yeah. You know, it's it, not anything like Augusta.
0: No, that's right. There's <laughs> elements of the strategy there, but the look is not really is yeah. you know sort of uh, interesting. So it was just interesting to get his take take on that. But um, that was uh, that was some event they put on there that uh, that week. I've got to tell you, Jack. Like, Five million they reckon they spent on that. Would that surprise yeah. you? Yeah.
1: Well, once you start to tabulate airfares and all that for the kids, I guess it because every competitor and, uh, is flown. Nobody things pays are a, their a little expensive and, down there where you live. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah,
0: it's true. Uh, it's true. They are,
1: and they do everything right. They don't ever skimp on things. they, well, they get, they just do the best and do it right. And they, even this the press, is how they work. Even the
0: press were welcome in the clubhouse dining room this week, Shaq. I've never
1: encountered yeah, that in an Australian their, tournament. Well, before. you know they they welcome us to dine in the clubhouse at Augusta National. Wow. Most of us don't, just because it's a busy week and you mm. you just don't really feel like you. Uh, should can take break away an hour and a half for lunch, especially when they give you a wonderful free lunch <laughs> that's that's uh you know, thirty yards from where you're sitting. Yeah. It's uh but that's how they that's how Bobby Jones and Clifford Roberts did it and they've always viewed the press as um not the enemy and as the person who's promoting what they're trying to do. And yeah, you know, they're the only organization when all I did some coverage of the Drive Chip and Putt last year on my blog or um or I, I even threatened to go to one of the qualifiers. That they actually thank you for uh, giving something coverage, and most of the rest just act like you're you're an annoyance that you're there, and they thank you for for making the effort to get there and to uh, to cover things. Mm,
0: they, they don't miss anything, though, Shaq. They read every word. Everything is scrutinized. They know who holds sure what opinions I don't think there's any uh, any doubt about that it was, it was pretty impressive did you get to see any of it Clay have you spoken to Todd Sinnott I thought it was a terrific event in the course no
2: I, I didn't I, sat, I mean it was ridiculous we had we have no golf tournaments in Australia then we have two of them on the same week
0: mm.
2: yeah <laughs> so, so I would have loved to watch it but no I was in Perth but, yeah. I mean Todd's a, he finished he was sixth the week before he's a leading amateur in the Western Australian Open the week before he's a, he's a good player he's not going to turn pro this year strangely enough but He's kind of ready to go
0: out there and play. Um, I'm sorry, who are, we,
1: who are we talking about?
0: Todd, Todd Sinnott. He's Todd an Sinnott. Oh, okay. He's,
2: he's a
1: member of the, the club. Has,
0: um, yeah, okay. I think. okay. Hit, hit on average, well, he hit two drivers the first day, and I think one driver the second day. He's serious. They say his track man numbers are up there around Bubba Watson. So he, yes, he's generating that kind of power. And, uh, but a, a, a really good player. I was very impressed. He doesn't just hit it long, does he, he's got He's got all the shots. He can play the... The yeah,
2: he's, a yeah he he's, kind of a, he's kind of a naive player a little bit, if that makes any sense. And of course, there's, there's a bloke at our club who's been a decent player who's really critical of his golf course management, but I keep trying to explain to this guy that you know, anyone could manage Graham Marsh's game or Suo's game or my game or Hale Irwin's game. They're easy to manage, those games. But try managing a game where you drive it that far. I mean, I mean, how do you play? I mean, when you can stand on par fives and hit it on with three woods and six irons, you can drive... 350-yard par-fours, I mean, how do you manage that stuff? It's so, so he's learning how to manage a game that, you know, you know f- f- few people have had to learn to manage. I mean, he, he drives the ball 330 yards. And how, how, how do you play golf when you've got that power and all, that huge array of shots? Not, not many like, of us in
0: a position to advise him there, aren't we,
2: Clades? <laughs> well, well, that's right. But you know, it drives me crazy when people criticise players like that and, and their management when, well, how would you manage it? Yeah, that's right.
0: Not to hey, harp Todd, but yeah, he's Dustin Johnson is how I would describe him. Yeah. He looked to me, you throw him any kind of piece of sporting equipment, and he'll have it mastered in about ten minutes, sort of like Dustin Johnson. Yes, Shaq?
1: Well, the, the, back to Royal Melbourne, the scoring looked was was quite uh, good by the uh, the leaders, but it looked like it separated the field nicely. What was your? Did you get out on the course much? Did you uh, walk the you
0: know, course plenty?
1: And was, what was the setup? Was how would you? Describe the setup. Was the it first uh,
0: two, uh, It was got the first two days. Uh, I think they watered the greens reasonably heavily because there were players in. The yeah, field they did they, not want to embarrass and fair enough. Yeah,
1: they looked like they were holding there were, compared to what Clates had been telling right. me how they've been were, leading up to the. the I think the,
0: there, were, there were two scores over a hundred on the first day, as it was, um, because that golf course, as you'd imagine, if you've played all your golf course in New Guinea or oh my in India, gosh, it, I, it, it, it's like playing can't imagine. Space. That's right. Even if you've had a practice around there, and there were a lot of wide-eyed people watching. Having said that, I mean the greens were watered, but they weren't soft. But He stretched the imagination for the bulk of the field. And then the last two days, I think they got it right. They sort of toughened it up. And, um, gee, there were some seriously good players in that field that I'd never heard of. Cheng Jin, the Chinese kitty who played in the the last group on the last day. He's a seriously good player. I got to watch Guan up close, Guan Tianlang. He's picked up – well, I'd never seen him before, but he must have picked up 20 or 30 yards because the distance of the golf course wasn't bothering him, certainly in that way. Has he picked up the speed? Uh, not a lot, a little, but not a lot. Uh, he played with Ryan Ruffles the first three days, Clayton, hmm. and I was really impressed with Ryan. Yeah, he's, um, he's terrific, Ryan. Yeah. He re- and what a fab- fabulous attitude. He completely lost his composure on uh, the 15th hole on the third day and took his hat off and put his face his face in his hands. It was just an outrageous tantrum uh, having missed, <laughs> missed the green there, so very impressed with him. But I thought the course played terrific. And on the, certainly on the weekend and certainly by Sunday afternoon, the ball was releasing on the ground. You could hear the difference in the sound. Uh, Mm -hmm. as the ball pitched on the green. They were certainly firm and plenty quick. But there was a lot of good golf and there was a real lot to like about the tournament. I thought it was terrific. And I suspect it'll come back to Royal Melbourne uh, fairly soon. Billy Payne certainly intimated that. But I think they... I suspect what they're doing with the tournament, Jack, they're trying to, A, make sure the Masters is relevant in Asia in the long term in case somebody in China comes along and says we're putting on a $50 million tournament and it'll just become a major because everyone will want to play it. Uh, And... uh, and so they're doing that. And then I think what they're probably going to try and do is try and find a rotor of courses in the Asia Pacific where they can take it. And Royal Melbourne, I suspect, has cemented one of those places uh, even this early. So I suspect it will go back there every five or six years. That was the sense I got. But it was, mm. it was fabulous. And just walking the course, Clates, and I'm, you know, I'm no genius about golf course architecture, but you can't help but fall more and more in love with the place every time. I'm back there next Monday for a corporate event, which is a whole long story. But I can't wait to just go and walk the course, it, which I find yeah. extraordinary. Uh, I don't, I don't have any great desire to play necessarily. It's, it's enough just to walk around the place, yeah. I think.
2: I mean, I mean, our office is five minutes up the road. It's just amazing that it's like being five minutes up the road from Pine Valley. I mean, it's amazing to think you can just get in your car and drive in five minutes and you can, you can walk in the gate and you can walk around the golf course and no one will say anything and it's just – and I get just as excited playing there now as I did when I first played there in 1974. So it's –
0: do you reckon, Clay? I was sort of said to somebody that someone was saying, "Well, why, what's so good about it? Even golf people don't always understand, I don't think, the important role that the golf course plays in the game. A lot of people who cover this game who cover the people and not the game itself. And it seems to me the genius of the course is you could go out there with just a putter and maybe one other club and you could fairly easily make double bogey on every hole, even if you're not a particularly competent player. But if you want to make a birdie on any hole, you bring a triple into play. Is that, in a nutshell, the genius of the course? That's kind of what struck me while I was there. Last week?
2: Well, you've got, it's wide, so you've got to decide for yourself where to hit mm. it. They don't tell you where to hit it. And, and to play it properly, you've got to, while well, they do tell you where to hit it in a sense, you have to hit it to the corner. So the middle of the fairway is not the best place, Tom Simpson's like. And it's, and the ball bounces. I mean, the greens can get too hard there at times, mm. but it's fun to be able to land the ball at the front and bounce it back. And it's, a, it's such a beautiful looking course. Mm. You know, the great bunkers, the beautiful heath, the, the, the trees are out of the road of the golf, it's, it's wide, it's playable. It, you know, it ticks every box. It, it's a, and it's not particularly difficult. If you go and play the west course, which is what, that, that's the better of the two courses there. If you go and play the west course with an average member, it's really, it's not a hard course to shoot 85 on. No. You know, there are lots and lots of courses in Australia where it's, it's much easier to shoot 85 than, than, than roll in. It, um,
0: it sits so gently in the landscape, it? it? just fits and sits there. It, it just sort of belongs. It is quite magical. I'm um, probably get a bit too <laughs> taken with it, but it is quite magical I, to be there.
2: I don't know if you, how many tournaments you saw on the routing they used. They went back to the old composite course routing. They got away from that from the President's Cup in 1998 and since then, seemingly every tournament at Royal Melbourne has been on a different routing. I've got no idea what the whole numbers are, but they went back to the original composite routing and they're playing it out for the Women's Open, in February, and I think it's done. I'll just stay with the, the original nine hundred fifty nine routing, which was the golf course plays better that way. The only problem with it is that the back nine is so spread out, it's hard to make any atmosphere there. That was always a was it? and you didn't get it if you didn't play a tournament there. But the 10th hole is miles from the 15th hole. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, it took, it took me, pretty, took me up, to the last day to get out there because. So you get no sense of any crowd noise or it always lacked in a sense that part of the atmosphere whereas at Augusta the complete opposite you know the holes are so close together and you don't have to walk anywhere to see almost all of the back nine but Royal numbers are complete opposite so that's the problem with routing is that it doesn't really work for making atmosphere for big tournaments but it's the best way to play the golf course
0: Of course, one of the great beauties of, of last week was you didn't have enormous crowds. There were decent crowds, but it's like what you used to see in the sort of the fifties and the sixties. You could walk the fairways with the players and maybe a hundred people following the last couple of groups. And it's just such a magical way to, to spectate golf, and you don't get the opportunity to do that anymore, Shaq. Do you? You're always stuck behind the ropes on the sides of the fairways. I know.
1: Yeah, I, I experienced that at the Walker Cup at uh, the National, and it's just incredible. You just and you get to hear. Uh, yeah. Dialogue between a player and a caddy, even though they're seventeen-year-olds uh, uh, or eighteen-year-olds or fourteen-year-olds, it's still you're just. It's the difference between being up uh, in the cheap seats versus sitting on courtside at a basketball game. You just pick up nuances and things that you don't get anywhere else, and it's uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I I do envy, especially on that golf course, to mm-hmm. hear some of the conversations. It's got to be, uh, and then you know people who've never played that kind of golf course, it had to be quite entertaining.
0: And just to stand behind the player, Clates? I mean, it's the only place to really watch golf from properly is not it is
2: behind. I mean, you're exactly. We had that discussion last week with, guess who, um, Ogilvy and uh, John Paramore and Andrew Langford-Jones, and Jesse made that point. He said golf is so much better from behind, watching it from behind. You know, when we were making – I mean, I grew up as a kid watching – Gary Player at Kingston Heath, 1970. We, we we never had ropes down the side. I mean, everyone walked in the fairway. Big crowds walked in the fair. They had good marshals, and it was such a great way, to, way way to watch golf. And then Bruce Crampton came out a few years later and started moaning about players and, players on the spectators on the fairways, <laughs> and they got rid of them. But you know, it's the Vic Open last year. Right, caddy I mean, the crowds were on the fairways. They love it. I mean, I think there's an argument to say people. Don't go to golf tournaments as much anymore that's been taken away. Who wants to walk behind the ropes in the sand and watch the golf from the side when you truly, you know, watching a great shot from right behind the player and seeing it come out on the right line is so much more fun than oh, and the watching bounce golf- and the release and.
0: We, uh, we were behind Medaka when he hit it at the 17th on Saturday. He hit a four-iron.
2: I know you held it, right?
0: He, well, exactly, and we were watching from behind, and, of course, Sinnott was in the group ahead, and there was probably 60 people following his group, and they were behind the 17th green. There wasn't a sound, and we just watched it, and I said, I said to the photographer, I said, that's got to be stiff. You could see it from there. It's got to be close, and we were walking that whole way up there. I oh, know maybe it's 20 feet long because nobody's made a noise, and, of course, we got up there. It was four feet, and nobody yeah. had seen it from behind the green because they were all watching the other way, but... Just that was so much fun. From the side, you can't get that. You don't no. see it. You lose the ball in the air and the perspective changes. But to watch the flight of that ball, it was it was a beautifully struck shot. You know, started low, climbed, just fell to the right, pitched 20 yards short, ran up straight at the hole, and you could see all that from behind. And you, you just never get there. You, you can stand behind the players on the tee and that's about it. And that's a par three. You don't get to see much in the way of a result. And I thought that was fabulous. And that I would not thought about it, but that's something that's lost to the game, I think, Clates, as you pointed
2: out. Paul McNamee tried to bring it back at the couple of opens he ran where he had the people on a few holes they could come out, once the players had gone through, they could come out and stand on the fair while they played. Mm. And I thought it was a great idea. But, you know, the, these guys who run tournaments, they're so against it because of the, I suppose, the TV. and. But you just need some decent marshals. And at came up last week. The crowds were okay the last group was pretty good, and there were, you know, there were a decent number of people there on Sunday, but you could have easily walked on the fairway with all but about two groups the whole week, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Just I, confident and you know,
0: just... I think golf crowds are a little bit like people who go to comedy shows in as much as when you go to see a comedy show, you go there ready to laugh, and so yeah. you kind of assist the comedian. People go to the golf course to watch golf with the intention of behaving. You know, nobody goes there with the intention of sort of causing trouble. And the marshals did a terrific job at, at Royal Melbourne. They were trying to keep people off the fairs, which was sad for a while. I and mean, I think they, they gave up on that. But, um, you know, they just sort of said, look, stay back here and that's fine. And none of the players seemed upset. I mean, I'd imagine as a player, Clouds, have you ever played with the people behind? Is that a, as a player, does it make any difference? I would think it'd feel better. It's a, great fun.
2: Better. Well, it's, it's much more enjoyable when you're with the crowd. It's great fun. I love it. I mean, I mean, when I carried last year, I mean, the people get up close and they can hear what you're talking. I mean, Jeff, so they can hear what you're talking about. They can, it's so much more involved in what's going on. But I mean, just wow, just, they just, they can't get their heads around it. I mean, someone needs to try it. Just get a bunch of great marches and try it. Yeah, but yeah. And, and, and talking about the Ryder Cup, I mean, wow, they had spectators on the fairways there at the Ryder Cup, didn't they? I mean, there were 200 people on every group watching every golf. <laughs> yes, they,
1: they did it there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, the you
2: know,
1: officials they,
2: and media. Yeah. They were just doing it by default at the Ryder Cup.
0: And of course, that's another thing. Speaking of Augusta National, there's none of that at Augusta, is there, Shaq? There is no press inside the ropes there. It's the no. like one place where you just don't. I don't. Is, is there roving cameras? There might be one or two, but there's not much, is there?
1: Uh, nothing. No. Uh, the walking or uh, F- rules officials. Um, and then the actual marshals or whatever. I don't know what the jargon is for them there. Um, uh, but they, uh, they they can be inside to hammer the ropes back into place if somebody hits it into the uh, the patrons. Um, but, no. And it, you know what? Uh, the writers complain about it, and uh, the photographers have a legitimate gripe. I think so, too, yeah. But the writers, if you saw, they give us a... Uh, uh this beautiful and this year it was brand new this beautiful screen you can watch every hole in the back 9 you can watch CBS you can watch all these different feeds a uh, featured group it's like and I, and I and i and i love being out there but it's like come on
0: not <laughs> to mention the statistics chat they they just overlap oh, the get stats
1: that, I mean. you yeah. can you get you can flip over to the golf channel when the telecast is done and then hear that i mean it's it's just for modern media, is oh you can listen to the interview room. You can listen to the other uh, auxiliary interviews. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's you feel bad. I feel bad not moving from the seat, and a lot of writers do because that's you want to get out there and capture some of that. But you know what? It makes the Masters special, and so it doesn't really bother me that one week a year that's that way. But I, I think Clates is onto something. It'd be really fun to see a golf tournament, a tournament director try and uh, break the mold maybe at a place where they don't get big crowds did they ever do it uh, Augusta,
0: I'm trying to think of historical footage did they ever have the crowds following or, the players up 18 or anything I can't yeah. recall
2: the, the, I, when Palmer won in 1960 hit that shot there were, there were lots of people on the fairway you yeah
1: can, YouTube, the open, you certainly you see it in the old photos yeah, every
2: year uh, in the open you see it um,
0: Okay, I don't recall it. At but
1: point, it, it so. but it would be interesting at a tournament where they don't get a, a lot of people. You know, maybe the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, especially there right. where it's yeah. so wide and, and the fans are so disconnected that, you know, that might be uh, – that would be an interesting thing. And it also would translate well to television because being surrounded by people uh, it just brings a certain energy. You know? So, of course, the tour would never do it just for – just because we like the idea, oh,
0: I, I give it the huge thumbs up. It's the first really good time. I've I, you know walked the fairways at amateur events previously, but yeah, no, there's it's, never that kind of organized event where it really was fantastic. Of course, there were no ropes, which was fantastic. So I mean, yeah. if you wanted to wander out, you just as good. There was no even a suggestion that there was anywhere to stand behind. But um, what a, the
1: play too? I just watching it on television here just was so impressive. Did you enjoy? Did you, oh, absolutely. Well, we had uh, Bill Mcatee and Frank Navalo. Yeah. And uh, Bill McAtee's wonderful, uh, easygoing mm-hmm. announcer, and, and Nabilo's there, kind of, uh, you know, he's he's at home on a golf course like that, and um, so they were, and they're in prime time here on the West Coast. So It's just great viewing. It mm-hmm. was, it was, uh, and then you know, the, the fairways looked a little green and soft. I think I asked you on, yeah, the- Twitter or Clates, I asked about that, uh, yeah. uh, but other than that, everything looked. Uh,
0: Looked outstanding. Bumped into Frank a couple of times. You were missed, Clates.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, I was sad to miss. Him. I don't see Frank often enough, and it like, yeah, was again. It was like crazy. He doesn't you know, comes here once every two years, and of course, the week he's there, I'm not there. Yeah. He's- Seriously he, annoying.
0: he's so into it. What a terrific player. He was just yeah, so into right. it. I mean, I started chatting with him a couple of times, and it was 40 minutes later. We'd sort of both look at Oh, I've got to go, I've got to go and do television now. <laughs> he just gets so wrapped up in it. And Baker Finch was there, which was true. It was just a – I think it was a mini version of what you must get at the Masters Shack, and I loved it. Yeah. So I must try and get to the Masters one year now because I haven't, haven't been what's, yet.
1: Now, what's coming up for us uh, for Australian Golf. You've got the Masters and uh,
0: the Masters the Open. at Metro. The Open is at the Australian Golf Club. The revamped Australian Golf Club. Apparently, Nicholas came back a couple of years ago and said, "Oh, I can't believe I designed this golf course. You better let me have another go at it."
1: Clades, uh, have you seen it? I've seen it. Post redo, post redo. Yep. Would you like to comment, or would you, is it best you don't? Uh,
2: well, if you, if you like, <laughs> I
1: I think like, the silence is already telling. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
2: If you like the lakes, you wouldn't like the Australian. If you like the Australian, you wouldn't like the lakes. I mean, oh, very diplomatic. Which I was talking to a, a, a member of the Australian yet last night. The strange thing was that I never played the old lakes, but I catered on the old Australian because the freeway went through the lakes in the late 60s before I saw it. But there were two, from the photos, two very similar golf courses right next to each other, no trees, June land, brown grass in the summer, green grass in the winter and two very similar golf courses except for all the water on the back of the lakes. You couldn't find two courses further apart now, really. I mean, just utterly different ones. I mean, I've always thought the Australian was really Nicholas's version of a Florida golf course in the middle of Sydney. That's w- what it was. And, mm. you know, it's, I, I never thought it was appropriate for the middle of Sydney because, one, it was it was a seriously windy place, and it was it was a terrific old golf course. But, you know... Um, it is what it is. The people who love it, love it, and it's difficult, and Roy will be tested there. And
0: So it's still in the same vein, Clayton? I, mean, I know it's been a redo, but does it look that much different? So clearly it hasn't, hasn't happened there, what happened at the lakes when you guys went in, and a lot of trees and sandy areas, none of that, I take it, at the Australian?
2: No, I mean, it's an interesting question worth debating, but you know, I shy away from it because it'll just be as Mike Clayton bitching about the Australian again. But you know, it's a very American golf course. The, the members and, and the visitors who go there seem to be overwhelmed and obsessed by the condition of it. Where I don't give a damn about the condition of a golf course as long as you can play golf on it properly. And you know, it's it, 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 it's a it's it, it's a taste that some people really love and really enjoy. And for them, that's great. But if you you know if you like the lakes or you like perhaps more the, the Royal Melbourne look, then you won't enjoy it as much as others but but the you know the to me the fascinating question was what would have happened to the Australian if they'd hired Bill and Ben Crenshaw to do it exactly you you know and and that was you know Nicholas did that course in 1977 and he utterly changed it to something that was indistinguishable from anything in Florida really and you know they had a chance to do it again and you know to I mean for me i it would have been fascinating to see what Bill and Ben would have done with it because it would have been a much different golf course mm. it 's such a great piece of land it 's a good routing and a great piece of land it, it was
0: such a decadent thing to do it seems back in the '70s to take i like you've only ever, well i 've only ever seen pictures of the old australian uh, and i 've walked the new one I think I might have played nine holes there once some years ago but an extraordinarily decadent project to completely change a landscape, which is what they did, wasn't it? I wonder whether you could get away with that even these days.
2: Why? Oh, well, it was the dark ages. It was the mid-70s. Mm. It was the dark ages of golf course yeah. design. And and I was a kid at that time. I mean, everything American was great. The first time I played there, I couldn't believe, wow, you got to hit shots over water. How much fun is this? Not much. Yeah, well. <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah, as it turns out. But... Um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was really the, one of the first courses Jack did on his own. He's obviously been to Harbour Town and worked with Desamir heard of Football Village. So it was a, but Kerry Packer had all the money and he was he was committed to making the Australian Open the, the fifth major. I'm sure if the, you know, the AGU hadn't you know, wrestled back control of the Open, having really lost it in practice to Packer and the Channel 9 Bulletin sponsorship. And Packer would have made it a great tournament. He'd, he'd have revolutionised golf in Australia. Away, revolutionised cricket, but you know it didn't go that way. But I'm, I'm sure Nicholas and Packer at some point had the discussion in 1976. Packer must have said to him, "What do I need to do, Jack, to make this the fifth major?" And Jack was, "Well, you need to rebuild the golf course, Kerry." If you want the and Americans to come, a, yeah, you need to have was to so a, playing. It was a really good golf course. The 12th hole wasn't perfect. It was a, you know, it was a reverse camber dogleg to the right that I, I don't remember very well, but. You know, it was a really good golf course, and you could play it in a win. You could hit the ball on the ground and play it.
0: Mm.
2: So, you know, the, the, the mystery to me was that, not the mystery, but the, the, the fascinating question would be what would Bill and Ben have done with it?
0: Mm. In answer to your original question, Jack, so you've got the Australian, you've got Metropolitan for the Masters, and you've got Royal okay. Pines for the PGA. So, you're uh, probably cheering good. for the Women's Open at Royal Melbourne come February,
1: I think yeah. is probably right. Is the answer? Well, I remember <laughs> Metropolitan was was enjoyable uh, on television when the match play was there, even though it wasn't the, the greatest field. It uh, I mean, you know, it, it just compared to the the average PGA Tour course, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty com- pretty darn compelling. Yeah, it's it's in Melbourne. It's on the you're a member there, aren't you? You're, yeah, you're a Metro member, aren't you, Clyde? So I
2: remember you Remember that for Clyde forty everybody. years. Yeah, the, the course will be good. The, you know, it's it's in good shape and it's fun to play. And there is some back tees, so it's longer and. But it still won't play long because the fairways have run so
0: far. But that, that'll be the, the highlight. But of course, I, I spoke to yeah. uh, Langford Jones, Andrew Langford Jones, our tournament director down here, Shaq, the other day for a story for Golf Australia magazine, Clates, about the new front nine at Royal Pines. And his, really fascinating. Yeah. Well, his words were that uh, it's the same par on the same land, but it's completely unrecognisable to what was there because it's now been it's become a stadium set of holes, so for spectating, Ooh. and there are mounds and gullies and runoffs and contouring
1: everywhere um so it should you be know, it's fantastic not that? To get, yeah not to get on a tangent but by the way it's interesting stadium mounds are sort of dead to the pga oh. tour that it's it's a fascinating thing they'd much rather spend the money to put up a grandstand because it's a nicer viewer experience mounds are dangerous people slip and they really aren't very comfortable for seating. No. Um, it's, I don't know why I just thought um, of that, but it's just something that's happened at the TPC So They, had, they had a look
0: at where the money comes from, Shaq, and it's not spectators on the ground. Well, that around. too. <laughs> so, this is true. Yeah. Um, but I, it didn't fill me with great hope. Yeah. Uh, for what we might yeah. say, but two two different golf courses is how he just he described it, Clayton. So, if you can right. get home in the PGA Seniors tomorrow, we'll see you in the field, and we can get a first hand account because you get a spot no, in the no, field no. at Royal Pines if you win ah. at Richmond this week. So, yeah, um,
2: look, it's I mean the old course was, in fairness, it might have been the you know, I don't think you ever saw it, Jack. It might have been the least interesting golf course in the world, and you might <laughs> not need to say might. <laughs> they, they played the women's, the, the Cheyenne Woods won this year. Yeah. Mm, they, right. they played the tournament there. You literally could have played a, th- a three-hole course, a par five, a par four, and a par three, and just gone around those three holes, and no one, no one would have known. No. I mean, it was, the, it, was the, it was built by a Japanese designer. It was, when people talk about resort course, this was the epitome of a resort course. I mean, and look, look,
0: they built the awesome a fabulous game. tournament there, Clayton. So, every year the Ladies Masters was like a, i remember it outrated the cricket one year and those years when Kari Webb was winning it. Every, uh, it with the course aside, they built a fabulous event there with the Ladies Masters at Royal Piles, well, no question.
2: Which goes to show you can – well, yeah. the right up cup proves it again. You can build an an incredible event on a not very good golf course. Yeah, exactly,
0: which is kind so of a shame, isn't it? It's, um,
2: well – You can build an extra extra incredible event on a great golf course like the US Open and the British Open and the Masters prove. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Fantastic stuff. Well, I didn't expect to talk about any of that stuff, but it was fabulous to have – I listened to my Irish mates on their podcast last week. They called their yabbering a stream of consciousness. They went in with no plan, and there was an hour of interesting chat, and hopefully we've produced – the same today. Shaq, been great to talk to you. Even though it's nighttime, there unusually for you, it's an unusual time for us to record. Maybe that's what happened. We're all in yes. a different mood at a different time of day. But great to have yeah. you aboard. Thank you, Rob. And Clayton's down here. Great to uh, I won't. I won't have a chance to get out and, uh, and have a look at uh, Richmond this week. But all the best of luck tomorrow, mate. I know you're a little bit behind, but nothing's ever a done deal. Oh, so.
2: we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, um, I think it's supposed to be windy tomorrow, but we're playing at 8 o'clock. So, and then I'm going to have to play at the lakes in the afternoon. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: How keen is that? How many of the other pros in that field are going off to play another eighteen in the afternoon? Do you reckon, Clates?
2: No but You'll be well, there. are any pros in the field who designed a golf course in Sydney that they won't actually want to go and play after they've finished playing? So um, I did it last year. I made a hole in one last year on my. I went and played it. Teed off with the captain at three o'clock and holding one at the seven. So I'm going back to do it again.
0: Fantastic. What time are you going to be there? Three o'clock. I oh, might see. Well, we
2: we, we played eight o'clock tomorrow, so I'll be I'll be out of here as. As soon as I can. I
0: can. I might come for a walk and watch you uh, watch you attack your own work because you can't complain, as you know, about the golf course when you've decided. Oh. It's all your own fault. Terrific to have you on board, Clay. It was great to get your views on some of that stuff today, mate.
2: Thanks, man. I enjoyed it.
0: And that's it for episode 48 of State of the Game. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. We'll be back to do it all again, of course, in the not-too-distant future here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and Golf production. Theme music, writer's retreat provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.